Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, welcome everybody to the Inferno Suns podcast on Believe Network. I'm your host, Dana Scott, my co-host, legend of the Suns and the NBA, Cedric Sabalas, former slam dunk champion. And uh, also, just to let you know, we usually do our podcast with Dr. Patrick Patillo, a.k.a. the Suns superfan, Mr. Orange, but he has practice uh, today for his high school boys basketball team that he coaches, Peoria High School. Uh, the Panthers have won the quarterfinal round on Wednesday night. Uh, for the open division, and they are uh, competing in semifinals uh, for the state's biggest uh, b- biggest tournament. So uh, in Arizona, so that way we're going to carry on without him, and he'll be here w- with us in spirit. But we're going to talk about a lot that's happened over the past month, including the Kevin Durant trade with Suns, as well as uh, the some things that. We have seen with Mikhail Bridges, uh, who was part of that trade to Brooklyn and on February 8th, right before the trade deadline, and talk about some of the biggest trades in Suns history. And we'll discuss the All-Star break that was last weekend. And we'll discuss the performance of the All-Star game, as well as the slam dunk competition uh, that happened uh, with the winner being Mac McClung, who was just signed by the Sixers. But First things first, we've had a very busy month already, February. Shout out to Black History Month. And shout out to Phoenix being the center of the sports world for a week during Super Bowl week. It was the uh, 7th, uh, actually February uh, the 6th through the 12th when the Super Bowl took place. The Super Bowl week was live, and I was covering it. Many events, including NFL Honors, had the uh, honor of meeting legendary Joe Namath of the Jets, and that's why I'm wearing the bucket hat, as well as Barry Sanders, and also uh, Kurt Warner, who's still local to Arizona, living here with his wife and kids. And also, uh, we had Waste Management Open, which is basically a glorified frat party for PJ <laughs> <PGA> Tour <laughs> over in TPC Scottsdale. Are you a golfer, said? I, I, it's required to live in Arizona that you must par a hole. So yes, yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> How long have you been golfing? Uh, from it took me a while to get a hold. Uh, when I got here in ninety, uh, you know, Ping is here as well, and they just you know handed us golf clubs like every year for free. Yeah. Uh, so it took me it took me about six years to get uh, uh totally addicted to it. Nice. Yeah, my drive is terrible, so I don't even try. I mean, I go to the driving range of Papago sometimes and work on it, but you know, it's it's just not there. I I try my best, but just some things that I just know I'm not good at. I I, I was one of those kids. If I wasn't good at it, I didn't continue it. But basketball was the exception. So was football. So that's one of the only two things I wanted to work at to get better at uh, that didn't come naturally to me, and you know, and then that's why I'm. Uh, I just wanted to study people and the NBA like yourself and so many others like Dominique Wilkins behind me in his jersey, but courtesy of my wife who had that framed when she worked for the Atlanta Hawks. Nice. Um, so the th- thing about the Kevin Durant trade, and also I want to shout out to spring training for and Major League Baseball that starts this week too yes. uh, here in the uh, Phoenix 
in a Valley area. The Kevin Durant trade is the most seismic trade since, that we've had for the Phoenix Suns since Barkley, bar none. And we've had some other major trades. And some things I pointed out uh, for the trades, and the biggest one in the Suns' history for big superstars was Anthony Penny Hardaway. Before he lost his stature and his nickname Penny to just being back to Anthony, that was backcourt, two, backcourt 2000 with – Jason Kidd, and they actually went in advance to the Western Conference Finals in 2000. And they, you do play on that Suns team? No, 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 not at all. Okay, sorry, I should have done my research, but forgive me. I remember you were traded back to the Suns after you played for the Lakers for a couple years. Yeah, yeah, but not on that team. Okay, but that was actually the team that the Lakers had to beat in order to get to the finals and face the Pacers and sweep them in order to get their first of their three-peat titles from 2000 to 2002. And that backcourt 2000 squad was a big deal because they had to trade for Jason Kidd a couple of years before then uh, for Steve Nash, who sent him to Dallas. And then that segues us to when they traded Jason Kidd to the New Jersey Nets. And then they traded back for, uh, for Nash, I believe, in 2003. And that's when they started their run with the seven seconds or less offense that Mike D'Antoni helms as the head coach. And Steve Nash won his two straight uh, MVPs in 2004 and 2005. Uh, Semi-correct. Uh, Nash was uh, not traded for Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was traded um, uh, in a situation where uh, he, I, I think he had he had the ability to, 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 to be a, a dominant player and, and, and he – he chose to do that. But Nash came back on a, not a trade, but on a uh, free agency. Dallas did. Right. Mark, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Cuban thought that he wouldn't play long, uh, that his injuries would be, uh, he'd have a short lived career. Um, and, uh, you know, the Jason Kidd Jersey thing was a Stefan Marbury thing. That was a Stefan Marbury trade. Right. Uh, and actually, you know, uh, the my performance, <laughs> With the Suns, my second tenure really convinced Penny to come here on the trade because uh, I, at the time I wore number one because Wayman Tisdale, rest his soul, uh, was wearing 23. So I wore number one. So they used all of my highlights to bait uh, Penny in <laughs> to come to Phoenix. And it was kind of easy at that time to put Penny's uh, head on top of my body because we had the similar body. And another trade that we forget about too, uh, that uh, um, my guy, Steve Kerr pulled off, uh, and that was uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Yeah, Shaquille getting, getting Big Shaq to join Amari and Nash and 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 that wonderful crew. That's a pretty big one. But this one, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, I don't think it was a shocker. I thought they were going to get it done uh, in the summertime. Uh, you know, something of this magnitude like we did with, uh, with uh, Charles Barkley. We got it done in the summertime. I thought this magnitude – uh, that they would try to get that done in the summertime to try to prepare and get ready uh, for Kurt, uh, Kevin Durant's. But obviously the situation where uh, uh, Kyrie Irving knocked on the door and said he wanted out of Brooklyn, it, it kind of pushed uh, the envelope uh, with uh, with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Sean Marks really wanted to, all right, let's start a new slate. And and I thought, I thought Jock Vaughn, you know, is doing a great job. I just thought it's just an opportunity for both superstars wanting to, you know, spread their feet or get to the West Coast. Sure. And the thing about the trade that occurred earlier this month, Mikhail Bridges 
is evolving into one of the best two-way players in the league. Probably the best two-way player right now since Kawhi Leonard did it a couple of years ago, being a defensive player of the year uh, in you know earlier last decade when he was with the Spurs and then being an offensive threat that he is. And so Mikhail being uh, replacing Devin Booker for the better part of two months and moving into that number two spot um, for a shooting guard and handling the ball to give Chris Paul uh, a chance to play more off the ball and help him recover from his injury until he came back. And Mikhail being a scoring threat taken over in the fourth quarters uh, to and having games where I think the Suns had a record of 15 and one when Mikhail Bridges scored over 25 this uh, in his career. Um, and so he was having scoring stretches where he'd score 20 plus. He was a three point threat, as he's been described as a three and D guy. And he's the second best uh defensive player in of the year last year he was the runner up uh last year to uh Marcus Smart so uh, this trade didn't happen unless Mikael Bridges played at the caliber that he has especially beating the Celtics the best team in basketball on the road and Mikael Bridges taking over in that fourth quarter scoring you know eight of their points in the clutch to help seal the win and it just seems that with the Nets saying last summer they didn't they wanted to pull off a trade with an all-star caliber player and Mikael Bridges he didn't become an all-star but he was playing at that level would you agree with that yeah definitely and Mikael is um you know when you try you made the comparison with him and Kawhi I think the difference is uh, you know Mikael finds the basketball Kawhi if you give Kawhi the basketball move and flatten everybody out, he can still score 30 points. Mikhail's not that type of player. Uh, he puts himself in a position to score because his body movement, uh, his uh, intensity, uh, crashing the basketball, and also um, making sure he understands everybody's position and movement when it comes to running the offense. When the ball moves, and I thought he was stagnant a lot of times uh, in this Suns offense when um, they they. they get stuck in the pick and roll or ISO and Devin um, is, is when the ball moves, that's when he shows out. I mean, what do you get? 54, uh, 55, something like that. Big numbers in, in his first couple of games in Brooklyn, because Jock Vaughn's system is the ball has to move and you move that basketball around and he will just flourish. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just a, a remarkable and it, it's not really accredited. There's no stat for it for his ability to move without the basketball and have some court awareness on where that ball is going to end up. Uh, and, and that takes a person, uh, because I, I I know about it, of knowing the position one through five and knowing where everybody's going to stand. So uh, a great job by him, great job by Monty in the offense, even though uh, he had to step into sometimes the two, um, the two guard position in the play. Obviously, we know he's not a pull up or a come off the uh, of a screen, a down screen jump shooter. But he found a way because his knack for the basketball and his ability to know uh, everybody's position and where they're supposed to be. Right. And that gets to the segue of what I was going to discuss about the buyer's remorse with Mikhail Bridges. Is there such thing in your mind or do you feel like that's kind of just something that's overthought of somebody who is flourishing after they get traded? And Mikhail had 45 against the Miami Heat, 
in Brooklyn. The Barclays Center crowd was calling him Brooklyn Bridges and chanting it at the end, right? I thought that was great. You know, I'm really happy for him. He's had a soft landing there in Brooklyn. He's there traded with his twin, as they call it, uh, in Cam Johnson. And he's basically in New York City with his best friend, Jalen Brunson, who, of course, is on the Knicks. And Josh Hart was traded to the Knicks from the Portland Trailblazers. And so uh, along that 95 belt and being that Mikhail is a Philly guy by heart and where he's born and raised, so – um, and, and they're all Villanova alumni. So does it feel like we gave up too much in Mikhail Bridges to get Kevin Durant, or would you have made the same trade in a heartbeat? Well, it kind of goes in that same category when I got traded from the Suns, and 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 uh, even though I had a tremendous career with the Suns, it was just uh, you know not enough room in that locker room at the time, and they just thought that other pieces of the puzzle would would make them go over to the championship uh I, obviously I didn't agree with it but you know these are things that happen and then when I end up moving over to the Lakers there's obviously more room more opportunity I become an all-star uh I'm, I'm in the top 10 scoring you know top 15 rebounds so that puts you uh, a kind of a break free and 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 yes even on this team when he was with the Suns uh, you know, I don't even know if he was an option if they ran plays uh, for Mikael, uh, just like myself. Uh, when I was with the Suns, just go out there and play, and you automatically find twenty buckets. It's not a problem, uh, and you're and you're kind of satisfied. Little relief for Monty because he doesn't have to worry about catering to your ego, and and he knows that tw- you know twenty points will really help out this team. But moving over to Brooklyn, I, and and I don't know the comfortability is with Cam at this moment because I saw an interview where he was, uh, man, everything is so crowded and this, that, and the other. And there are people everywhere. And the traffic took me two hours to go two miles. And, right. you know, it might be a little uncomfortable for him. But, yes, uh, being a Philly guy, this will help him out a lot. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, family members can drive up and, and see him play. Uh, he can, you know, his off days, go see his two teammates from Villanova and watch them play in the garden. Um, you saw my accent there. You saw. Um, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, and, and this is going to be positive for him. It gives him a, a chance to uh, not only step into a, a bigger role, but uh, you know, it's New York City, it's Brooklyn, it's 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 not the mecca, so to speak, but it's down the street. And for him to, you know, after after Kevin leaving, emerge as one of the one at this point, he's might be the one two player, if not the one. Uh, it, it it's going to excel his career. Uh, um, I think he just locked in a deal, but I think, I know his deal is coming up maybe a couple years. Uh, another collective bargain agreement is actually um, you know getting underway. They hoping and hoping it won't be a lockout, but that that may boost him into another stratosphere as far as financially. So I think this is a great thing for him. Uh, and then again, you never know. I think the biggest thing and the hardest uh, thing that I I really crushed and I thought James would would do is uh, this trade. Um, would 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 bring out? Ah, oh man, I, I always forget this guy's name. But he went to Milwaukee. Oh, he Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. Yes, I, I forgot him. Bring, he was part of the trade. Yeah, and, I thought that that would bring him out of his whatever he was going through, sure. and 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 be a because because I, I thought his presence was always needed, and that's why the slow start and the stagnant. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose type of situation, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Milwaukee got a gem in them. They got another defensive player that they can put up against uh, with Drew Holiday and and not only Giannis's defense. Lopez is a tremendous defender. Not not only can you not stop these guys on the perimeter as well as Giannis going to the basket, but you put a, a, a great two great defenders out there 
who can stop if you have a big two or a, a big three. Not stop, but you know, contain to a point uh, where you can win win ball games and possibly a championship. Right, and also with Jay Crowder, he's also semi back home because he played at Marquette, which also plays in that uh, five serve arena where the Bucks play. So yes. he's familiar with those rims. He's familiar with that crowd. He's familiar with that setting. And he's on a team that pretty much is a, you know, nuts and bolts with one superstar in Giannis. And he has obviously Drew Holiday is another all-star, but that team is not necessarily a high profile team because it is a small market. And Jay Crowder kind of fits that mold in a, not necessarily a smaller market than it's a smaller market compared to New York city or Brooklyn, if you will, but it is basically, they are a champion and he wants to compete later in his career at age 32, 33 for a title. And I think that worked out for him because he actually got permission from the Suns organization to, while he was not with the team to speak with Milwaukee and help get a trade done with them. Um, and that's where they pretty much he, – he wanted to be in Milwaukee from the start. So the trade worked out for him, and they knew where he was going to be, even though they sent him to Brooklyn uh, and ended up in Milwaukee. So the thing about what I like about with Mikhail Bridges, back to him, is that he's also on the – with a budding star in Cam Thomas. Now, it could be just a flash in the pan like Ronald Murray – Back in 2002, if you remember that stretch when he replaced Ray Allen and was playing at an all-star level, right? But Cam Thomas is actually playing at a – shooting at a high clip, and he's actually on a team that is has low expectation – or the expectations are not as high. They're expected to make a playoff run, and Sean Marks and, and Joe Side they don't expect to be rebuilding. But it seems like they're the, – the, the ceiling is not – as high for this team, but that's okay. This is still a team for the Brooklyn faithful to get behind without the wild drama that was with that big three, right? Yeah, not at all. And also the the biggest thing, uh, the point that you were making is the attention. He hasn't gotten that attention uh, yet. He's still, um, he's just going through the offense, flowing through the offense. Yes, his numbers is big. He's very accurate uh, with his shooting. But teams are not gearing up to stop him and him alone as of yet. Now, if they go into the playoffs, obviously defense will shift, the intensity will shift, and then we'll see. Um, we, you know, maybe another year or so if he, if his accuracy is up there, and then the defense will start switching um, their their game plan to try to gear to stop him, and that's when we'll see if if, if he has the capabilities of of becoming a star. Um, you know, Mikel has been doing this for years. He just has more room uh, in that closet now, uh, not having the stars and Chris Paul and Booker. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you could even put campaign in that because Cam is a a ball dominant point guard when he comes into the game for Chris Paul, and then you got the big dog inside. Um, uh, a, you know, big center wanting to have that ball in Aiden too. So oh, Nick that, Claxton, excuse me, Nick Claxton, Nick Claxton. Yeah, for the Brooklyn Nets. No, no, I, I, I was talking about that's what Mikel was going through in Phoenix. So now oh. 
he's going to blossom now in Brooklyn because he doesn't have that. Right. Uh, Nick, Nick is a, a, another explosive player who can really, you know, do some things. And I love the fact that they're all not really superstars, not really all-stars, but they compete at a high level. And together they may collectively, you know, come together. I, you know, I kind of love the same thing uh, that's going on in Cleveland with their young bunch. And they just, you know, slowly, you know, obviously they lost Kevin Love and his guidance, but – uh, to Miami, but they collectively said, you know what, we're, we're, we're out here in the snow, we're out here in the boonies. Uh, obviously, this is a, a post-LeBron era. Uh, let's let's gear together and fine-tune everything. Let's make sure we slide for each other. Uh, let's make sure we make extra passes. Let's make sure we're we're competing in each and every game. And I think that's something that Jock Vaughn can lead the Brooklyn Nets to do. Sure. And also, I wanted to give a quick backtrack to the biggest trades in Suns history to include my man TC Tom Chambers back in 1988 you know when he first came from Seattle he's a former all-star MVP you know back in free he, agent free agent the first free agent signing too uh, right or oh, he yeah. was a free agent signing he, yeah, he was crazy, a free right? agent signing the first free okay. agent signing thank you for the correction but yeah that was a big big deal to add him so in terms of uh free agency and, and trades Tom would Chambers you consider what deal. would you consider the biggest transaction son since I, I I know it but I just want to see if you 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 know, your brain can take you back that far. Uh, well, originally it was Charlie Scott to me, okay. you know, and, and he was a big deal coming out of the ABA with the Virginia Squires, and then yes. they added him. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest transaction for me was a coin flip, and that was well, that was Neil Walk, coin flip, not to get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but right. got Neil Walk. Neil Walk, rest in peace, was a great player for the Suns, obviously, but you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar coming to Phoenix would have been unbelievable. That would have been. And yeah. let's get back also to, uh, forward to the All-Star Weekend. Slam dunk contest. You won it back in 1992. Matt McClung. Mac McClung, a lot of people didn't know who this was. But I've seen this young man do reverse dunks on breakaways as the sole token white dude on Georgetown when he was there. And he was their best player before he transferred to Texas Tech. So I wasn't surprised when he won the dunk contest. Did you know about Matt McClung? Before he won the dunk contest last night, and what did you? Yeah, I, I I saw his uh, ability and arrogance in high school. Um, you know, dunking on small schools and, and and guys that couldn't compete on his level. And uh, you know, I always tell my kids all the time, and like this, this is not an example. Like, uh, first of all, my kids are not about that life. <laughs> uh, so getting in this, and it's just the way the 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 game has gone. You know, to to this point, uh, but. You know, you make a great play like that and get in somebody's face. You, you, you got to be looking for something to come back at you. Right. Uh, and, and, I, and I saw that at, at a young age at, uh, for him. Uh, and I thought he, it was great. I thought the timing was perfect, him signing uh, with Philadelphia and and, and, and jumping into this. Um, he, you know, he had something. He had nothing to lose. Right. You know, that's the biggest thing that that's keeping – John Morant and, and Zion and, and it has kept LeBron out of the dunk contest and everybody's like, why won't they get in? He said, because they have something to lose. Um, you know, uh, he just gained, you know, myself, D Brown, even though D Brown stole all my pump it up ideas. We all gained, <laughs> we all gained a shoe contract. We gained extra money. We gained attention. Uh, we gained notoriety. And that's what Matt got. He got, he, he's with my family now in Puma. Uh, he has the ability to, take this to another level. I remember having a conversation with uh, Lionel Hollins, L-Train, uh, after I won the dunk contest. And he basically sat me down. It's like, 
what do you are, are you gonna be another Kenny Walker? And I was like, I thought Kenny Walker was mommombomb.com. And he was like, Yeah, Kenny Walker had a great career in college, but his pro career is really only known by excuse me. Mm -hmm. It's really only known by his dunk contest. Oh yeah, eighty nine when he won it for the Knicks in eighty eighty nine and uh Skinny Skywalker. He was great at Kentucky. And he had a good year with the Knicks in nineteen ninety. Um they beat the Celtics actually in the playoffs. And so I, I mean, growing up as a Knicks fan, I know this because I grew yeah. up in the tri-state area between Connecticut and New York city. So I, so where does, so where does Mac go from here? Does he, you know, I believe that Mac, he could be a great backup to Tyrese Maxey as a point guard, you know? And so he could basically fill that spot that TJ McConnell McConnell had in Philly for those few years that he was there as a role player. And you saw the spot minutes that he played with the Lakers and, you know, he, he played some some uh, scrap time uh, at the end of blowouts with the Lakers a couple of years ago and played in the summer league. But he's in a basketball town in Philly. And so being there and he's with the fame that he's gotten right now, he could take that luck and just like you said, bring it to the next level in a place like Philly, the brotherly love that he will be receiving and continue to help push uh, a playoff team of Philly uh, to the next level as a role player. And yeah. I think that that will be where he thrives and doesn't have the pressure to follow up with being a dunk contest. Obviously, dunk contests can make stars. We saw that with Kobe Bryant, and yeah. rest in peace, when he was a rookie and won this dunk contest in 97. And we've yeah. seen that with you. We've seen that with, like you said, D. Brown. We've seen that. Um, with Brent Barry, you know, when he jumped from the foul line and he ended up having a long career in the NBA coming from the Clippers and ended up with the Spurs and he, you know, won championships with those Spurs teams in the 2000s. So it's just crazy because that's, that's a conversation me and Larry Johnson had walking, uh, in the finals of the dunk contest in 92. We was like, oh, this is dope, but let's, let's get here and, and, and participate on Sunday. I said, I said to him, he said to me, no matter who wins, Let's work hard to get here so we can participate on Sunday. Obviously, next year, uh, when the All Star Game was in Utah, he was announced as a as an All Star, and then a year after that, I was named as All Star when he came back to Phoenix. So uh, that's the that's the quest that the young fella has to have. He has to have that burning desire to try to uh, prove himself, uh, even though he has a, a, a uphill battle, you know, uh, to contend with. That, that's what he has to do. He has to come out and say, hey, this is just my spark. If I belong here, let me go out and prove it. He doesn't want to sit around 30, 40 years old and, and say, hey, man, I, yeah, I was a dunk contest participant, but I could have put myself in a, another stratosphere if I would have really worked hard afterwards. 100%. And speaking of the game itself, playing on Sunday, this is basic. I saw some clips of the 93 game in Utah where Jordan was really competing. He scored 30 in that game, and – he was getting hand-checked by John Stockton, and he yes. was they were really, really going after each other and proving to each other who's the bigger superstar on the court. This past Sunday, Jason Tatum, he got the scoring record, uh, scored 52, I believe, and so that was a great accomplishment. But you're seeing guys on the side just standing around while him and Jalen Brown, uh, obviously with their, their teammates, but they were letting them get their time one-on-one. -on -one. Have you seen an all-star game of that slow tempo where nobody's really trying to really prove how to win and the format of picking the 
the the rosters of the teams right before an hour before the game and such. I mean, have you seen a, a All Star game of just be that uh, really slow? Not at all. <laughs> that was ridiculous. And and I thought that the the picking of the players was pretty dope. I I, I did like that. And I did enjoy the the entertainment part of that. But then when they go out and play. Uh, and it's such a circus now, like, you know, obviously the picking of the players, you know, you get dressed and you go out there and then you get picked. That was about an hour. And then you, you know, you go back and put your, which uniform that you're supposed to be, you know, which team. And then you, you know, then they start warming up and this is, you know, three star spangled banners and all this. And, and, you know, at that point, yeah, I'm like, all right, man, I'm kind of, you know, either over warmed up or I'm kind of over the game if I'm one of the players. And, and it's just the great the greatness about the evolution of the basketball game, especially the salaries. I mean, you know, uh, you know, LeBron got hurt. Uh, you know, he's fifty million dollars a year, and no telling how much he's off the court he's yeah. making. And he got hurt. You know, uh, you know, play, trying to play some defense, and which makes uh, Jenny Bush cringe. Like, oh my goodness gracious! So, right. I think that that's what hurt. That's what's hurting uh, the dunk contests. Uh, that's what's hurting the skills challenge. Uh, and that's what's hurting the all-star game. And everybody's complaining about the load management. But it's the fact that, uh, and they're going into a new CBA, they're trying to negotiate that uh, probably in that. But it's just the fact that when Popovich introduced everybody to load management, uh, it, it it gave awareness to the owners to try to protect somebody who's making $50 million. And do you want your $50 million player uh, getting hurt in an exhibition game that they're going to get? They're going to donate. Now they're donating more money than they're making. Right. Uh, in that game, uh, and they're already stars. Uh, so uh, it, where where do you put the incentives? Before it was, uh, I think it, you got five thousand dollars if you won the game. You got a thousand or fifteen hundred if you lost the game. Sure. Uh, but 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 you can get you know like I said before with me and D, we got shoot contracts from that. You can get shoot contracts from that All Star game. Uh, but now they they you know everybody on there probably had their deal. Tatum displayed his news new shoes. Uh, John Morant displayed his. Uh, Zion has his third pair and he wasn't playing. But LeBron has twenty pairs of LeBrons that's been out. And so it's it, it when it comes to their brand, they're 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 really focused on their brand and not the game. I mean, Kobe Bryant said it best: it's an opportunity for the best of the best to have a pickup game. And when they get to that point, uh, because pickup games at UCLA and everywhere else are being more intense, when it gets back to that point, uh, I, I think you'll see a better all-star. <laughs> oh, it's true. And, you know, the great thing about oh, – it, it, it's great to see them all together. But the biggest takeaway for me that nobody was trying to win that game is because Jokic, the two-time reigning MVP, could win his third in a row, got picked among the last players on the roster. That told me right there that – the best player among all of them is not being picked. Maybe because he's not as flashy as, say, Kyrie. Maybe he is not the most box office worthy as LeBron. But Jokic has been the best player uh, in the league the past two seasons, and he's playing at that same level. And he's not in a big gaudy market like, say, Los Angeles or Miami or New York City. He's in Denver. But it reminded me of the Alex English thing and why he didn't get picked top 75. He's just efficient, and he scores triple doubles. And, but he's not really playing at, like, a play a, a, a player that is, like, even De'Aaron Fox, who's one of the most clutch players in the league. But Jokic is a clutch player. So it, what, what does that say about 
players that don't want to have the best center and the best player in the game right now to, on their all-star team. I don't think that they didn't want him on the squad. It, that that all-star game is just not for Jokic. That's not his style of play. That's not what he achieves at. Uh, even Luka Doncic, he's in the battle of being the most valuable player to lead. And, you know, he he you know, he's he's mic'd up and he said, Okay, I get my two points and I'm done. You know, you know, they have conversations in the locker room too as well. And oh man, I don't really want to be you you know the ones that really want to shine and, and really are trying to do something. What was Jokic gonna do in that game to propel his brand? He knows it. Everybody else who played with him knows it. Denver knows it. He, it was nothing that he was gonna do. So uh, you know that's that that becomes a factor, and uh, when it's going up and down and no defense, and that's not a game. All he was going to be doing is taking the ball out the net and slinging it down court. He might have got a behind the back pass every now and then. Excuse me, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, that just wasn't a game for him. Understood, and so that's why I think that what you said about branding today and people pretty much they they don't have the incentives like the all stars don't have those incentives to play after they already have their deal and. You know, none of them are really first timers, except for Tyrese Halliburton with the Pacers. You know, they they really don't have to come up and achieve anything that they've already you know have with their contracts, like there's max players and what have you. And so that leads to basically just like you know, what do I have to play for other than being here? A lot of those guys that aren't all stars and people complain about them not being all stars, they all said the same thing. I'm just glad I had a break. I was at the Suns practice today. Devin Booker, he wasn't an all star. And he said, I got, I'm glad I had my time with family and friends. You know, and there's a lot of work that goes into being an all-star during that weekend. And obviously, you know that from the interviews and, you know, what comes with the appearances and things of that nature. You're basically campaigning for your brand, whereas a lot of players just want the time off that they don't get in an 82-game season. Yeah, and Dana, also, the all-stars used to take care of the the best story players. Like Larkadin and and... Donovan Mitchell should have been the focus of that All-Star game. Yeah, Markkinen, he's a first-time All-Star, too. Yeah, yeah. That, they sh but he's from Utah. He plays for Utah. And then uh, Donovan comes back to Utah as an All-Star starter. So at the, the first five minutes of the game, if those two go off, then, you know, they, they okay, let's make sure those two get a chance to get that MVP trophy. That's the way it, it usually had been. Uh, but this was just, you know, um, you know, it's so an opportunity to, you know, he just dropped a new shoe. That was all marketing. It, you know, I mean, it was all marketing on, on the, on the, on the signs of, and now they're putting Tatum in the MVP voting. Not that he wasn't before he was maybe four or five, but they're like, oh yeah, he's a shoe in now for the MVP. Like, are you kidding? Like, wait, it's a young man that didn't even touch the court, uh, for, for maybe a minute, uh, called Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know what I'm saying? Like that that dude is unbelievable. And then you got Jokic, who already has, you know, the ability his team is in. And now, now all of a sudden, because he's an all-star in a, uh, a a charity game that he's a number one running for the MVP. No, that, that that's not that's not going down. Uh it's just a little different. And I don't know how they change it. I don't have the brain works to it though, Dana, but uh, I just hope it does change because I, I, as a kid, I used to love watching All-Star Game. Oh yeah. I mean, it changes every year now with the silver administration. Now it's been is it seems like they are trying to reinvent the wheel so much it's so hard to keep up with all of it, you know. And and uh, but hey, the, when things change, you know, nothing stays the same forever, and that's okay. You know, I can't be mad at what Adam Silver is trying to do. I think he's doing a brilliant job. It's just a matter of the, they're having an, an in season tournament possibly soon, 
Uh, I don't know what, what that's going to look like, but it, it's going to be interesting as they create more for the fans and to try to get more uh, advertising dollars because that's really what it comes down to, it seems, right? Yeah. More or less. Well, thank you, said. It's always an honor to speak with you and an honor for everyone to listen to us. And uh, we'll be back next week after KD's re anticipated return on March 1st versus the Charlotte Hornets. And we'll be analyzing that as well as the return of Dr. Patrick Batilla, our co-host. Thanks again for the Inferno uh, podcast about the Suns. I'm Dana Scott for Cedric's Ball. Same peace, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.